Hey guys, welcome back to the Toxic Mom Podcast. This is episode two for season two. This is about Kaylee Anthony, and I know a lot of you have been waiting for this one. So here it is. I've been wanting to discuss this case for a very long time. So here is my opportunity. It was a very high-profile missing child case from 2008 to 2011 when her mother's trial finally concluded. This was back when Nancy Grace was really heavy on the airwaves, and she brought a lot of exposure to missing children, missing women. Her platform really homed in on this case. She gave Casey Anthony the nickname Tot Mom, just in case you guys are kind of forgetting who Kaylee was. So, all right, we'll start from the beginning and we'll sort of peel off the layers. Kaylee was born to Casey on August 9th, 2005. The father is listed as unknown. She lived with her parents, Cindy and George Anthony, in Orlando, Florida, where she and her parents helped raise Kaylee. On June 16th, 2008, Kaylee would have been about two and a half, almost three, because two months shy of her three birthday, third birthday, excuse me. There was an uh, alleged argument between Cindy, George, and Casey, and Casey fled the house, and that was the last time that Kaylee Anthony was seen alive by her grandparents. On July 15, 2008, the car that Casey was using, which was registered in her parents' name, was impounded and her father George went to go pick it up from the impound lot and that's when things really started to unravel and go downhill very fast for Casey. When her mother got wind of the car she noticed that there was a very bizarre odor coming from the trunk which prompted her to contact the authorities. She called 911. Casey had shown up, but Kaylee was nowhere to be found. And now they have this car that Casey was using that has this very strong odor. And Casey's mom is a registered nurse. So I think she is familiar with the smell of decay even if she wasn't familiar with it, something about the odor of this car really stuck out to her. So she contacted 911, and I'll play a little of that now. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the car. Grandmother Cindy Anthony made a pair of 911 calls when she realized her granddaughter was missing. The first one was to ask police to come and arrest her daughter, Casey Anthony and to report her granddaughter Kaylee was missing. I have someone here that I need to um, be arrested in my home. They're there right now? A possible missing child. 
During that call, Cindy Anthony also accused her daughter of stealing her car and money. Two hours later, a much more frantic call. I called a little bit ago, the deputy sheriff, saying I found out my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. Her mother finally admitted that she's been missing. Cindy Anthony cries through the report to the dispatcher. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Okay, so the grandmom of Kaylee, Cindy, called 911, wanted her daughter arrested because the answers that Casey was giving her just weren't sitting well with her. She showed up without her granddaughter. From watching the trial and listening to witnesses, Kaylee and Casey were two peas in a pod. Wherever Casey was, there was Kaylee. So this was a very big red flag. And she finally admitted to her mom that, okay, yes, my daughter is missing. She's been missing for a month. And that's where everything really started to get very, very strange. Kaylee told her mom and the police that a nanny that she used named Zaneda Fernandez Gonzalez ran off with Kaylee on June 9th at the Universal Studios where Casey was pretending she was working. She told her parents and I guess her friends that she was working at this location, which turned out to be false. The police, when they came out, finally, a few hours after Cindy made that call, took statements, and things just were not sitting well with them. So she was finally arrested on June, July 16, 2008. So a day after her mother made that 911 call, she was arrested. She was charged initially with child neglect, lying to investigators, and interfering with a criminal investigation because she has a missing daughter. And she's alleging that this woman stole or kidnapped her daughter. The lady whose name she used did do an interview on television and, you know, said, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't have her daughter, and it caused a lot of disruption for that woman. So Kaylee has now been missing, according to her mother, a month. And um, on July 22nd, 2008, Casey was declared a person of interest, and she had a bond hearing. A cadaver dog allegedly had picked up on human decomposition in the trunk of that car that Casey was using. And she was given a $500,000 bail. August 20th, 2008, Casey's bond is posted by a bounty hunter from California, California, excuse me, named Leonard Padilla. He paid the bond because he stated he wanted Casey to reveal 
what happened to Kaylee. And that did not work because on August 30th, 10 days later, she was arrested for allegedly stealing and cashing checks from friends and that made them very angry and she was put back in jail rightfully so because there just was some very odd things going on and (laughs) if you guys remember that trial the trial was even more bizarre but after her bond was revoked on august 30th she was put back in jail she was released on september 5th but then she would again go back into jail by the end of september so just a big mess on october 14 2008 casey is charged with first degree murder this is where i think i personally think and i will reveal to you what i thing happened to Kaylee towards the end of this podcast since this trial is already said and done and it looks like nobody else will be charged. I have no problem giving you my opinion of what I think happened to this little girl. But that first degree murder charge really stuck out to me because there was no body at the time she was charged with this this crime. That's a very, very heavy charge to have. And she then um, obtained counsel from Jose Baez, where he said that his client's actions will become clearer at trial. I sincerely believe when we have finally spoken Everyone, and I mean everyone, will sit back and say, now I understand that explains it in reference to what happened to Kaylee Anthony. A few days later after this charge was announced, there was a forensic report from the car examination that was released to the public. And there was microscopic evidence found in the car belonging to Kaylee but there was lots of characteristics of decomposition in that trunk. So it it doesn't look good for Casey on top of her already allegedly lying about the nanny stealing her. And, you know, she's now sitting in jail. On December 11th, Skeletal remains were found of a young girl about half a mile from where George and Cindy Anthony lived. They were found in a bag by a utility worker named Ray Cronk. And just remember that name because that name comes up towards the end of Casey Anthony's trial. And there was some interesting testimony on his end. And there was some interesting cross-examination that Jose Baez did on this guy, where I also felt sort of tanked the case for the state. 
Apparently this man, Ray Kronk, um, wanted the police to search that area back in the summertime, right around the time that Kaylee went missing. So just re just remember that one name, Ray Kronk. December 20th, the remains are confirmed to be Kaylee. By then, um, unfortunately, her little body was a skeleton. There was really nothing left to her because she had been sitting in this bag since June. So there was really nothing left to her. Her cause of death listed on her death certificate was homicide of undetermined means. There was duct tape around her nose, mouth, and jaw. When the medical examiner did obtain the bones and it was again, an extreme state of decomposition. So it was really hard for them to pinpoint an exact cause of death. Casey's trial didn't start until two years later, May 24th, 2011. But in between then, some odd things happened. January 2009, her father tried to commit suicide. He left a suicide note. He was found in a hotel in Daytona Beach. Um, you know, some very odd things were going on surrounding this trial or leading up to this. So back to Jose Baez, her, her defense team said that everybody will know what happened to Kaylee within the first five minutes of his opening statement. And he was absolutely correct. And he delivered. So I'll play some of that now. How in the world can a mother wait 30 days before ever reporting her child this it's insane. It's bizarre. Something's just not right about that. Well, the answer is actually relatively simple. She never was missing. Kaylee Anthony died on June 16, 2008, when she drowned in her family's swimming pool. There you have it. That was Jose Baez saying how Kaylee apparently died. So he's saying the same day that this alleged argument happened where Kaylee and her mom fled the house is the same day that Kaylee died. And apparently it was because she drowned in the family pool. He was saying that Casey took her eyes off of her daughter. She got out, got into the pool and drowned. And her mother and father went to great lengths to cover this up. And obviously it worked because we all know <laughs> that Casey Anthony was found not guilty of her daughter's murder. And I'm going to tell you, I think it was a very 
phenomenal, plausible explanation that Jose Baez and his team came up with to get their client off for first degree murder. I don't feel that this is how Kaylee died, but it's completely believable, especially since we're talking about people who live in Florida. If you have never been to Florida, I used to travel to Florida all the time. I even considered moving down there. The majority of the homes in Florida and apartment complexes and obviously hotels, rental properties have pools. So it's very believable that Casey may have wanted to take a nap, thought Kaylee was still sleeping, maybe went in the kitchen, did some dishes, took a phone call, had her eye off her daughter for a few minutes, because that's all it takes for your brain to shut down completely and drown. So I thought it was very interesting, and I was eager to see how the state was going to spin this around to first-degree murder, considering there was zero evidence that this little girl suffered a horrific death because she, she, there was no body to really autopsy. It was just bones. They didn't have anything to really work with, but something clearly sinister happened because she didn't put herself in a bag. She didn't put duct tape around herself. She didn't put herself in the woods. Somebody had to physically do that. And it was a very emotionally draining trial, even to me, for her grandparents, because they were essentially the ones that were being, you know, warped in this tale. But they covered it up. I watched a trial, never, you know, Jose said that George is the one that found her in the pool, brought her body to her mom and said, look what you've done. Do you guys remember that? That was pretty interesting. And they just went on this whole thing of trying to conceal this. And that's what her defense team said. The trial lasted a while. Um, you know, it started in May, it didn't conclude to July. So that's a very long time to have a trial. There was a lot of witnesses. There was a lot of experts that testified and it was a lot going on. And I think the jury got lost. And that's pretty much what, what the defense wants to happen. It was so much to dissect during this trial. You had her mom take the stand and they played that 911 call back. They were really grilling her on the stand. It was almost like she was being charged with, I don't know, it just was strange. Like Jose Baez and his team really ripped apart her parents on that stand. You know, here's a woman who has a missing granddaughter 
who she's used to seeing every day. And then for an entire month, her daughter disappears. They have no idea where she is. The, the car she was using shows up and their granddaughter's gone. You have this odd odor. She, to me, did the right thing, called 911, acted very quickly. And it was almost like she was being accused of doing something wrong. Like, oh, how dare she call 911 on her own daughter? So it, it just, ugh. so I said that trial was a mess. So uh, anyway, there was a lot of things. Uh, so the 911 call in the trial was significant because, you know, the, the grandmother said she smelled what she felt was a dead body. And then you have cadaver dogs picking up on the scent. So that was one of the first witnesses that came up, the person that, you know, examined the car, Simon Birch, the manager of the towing company that impounded Casey's car, testified that he encountered multiple vehicles with dead bodies during his three decades in business and that the smell from Casey's car was consistent with those past experiences. If you never smelled a dead body and you smell one for the first time that has been decaying for a long time, you're never going to forget that smell. Um, forensic experts take the stand and do you guys remember this was also something that was strange there was chloroform searches that were on the computer the family computer and there was high levels of chloroform detected in the car trunk that made that person come to the conclusion that a dead body was indeed in the car and that the body probably was exposed to this chloroform and that's probably how Kaylee died. I personally thought that that chloroform search on the computer and them finding this in the trunk was strange. That never sat well with me, and I just could never make the connection. To me, Casey Anthony never came across as someone that intelligent that would know to look up chloroform. So why would that search be on the computer? And again, this is all playing into the defense's theory that the parents tried to cover this up. So they were trying to say, like, you know, did somebody deliberately type in chloroform? Did someone throw chloroform or purchase chloroform and put it in the trunk? They didn't say that, but that's kind of where they were kind of going with that. Another thing that really confused the jury, I felt, it was a lot of time spent on this chloroform. It was apparently 84 times that it was looked up and searched on the family computer, as well as head injuries, ruptured spleen, chest trauma, internal bleeding, um, but this was done prior to Casey um, reporting her daughter missing. This was apparently done in March 2008. But it, it just did not, to me, fit in with the 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 trial. It 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 didn't. Um, so <laughs> then, unfortunately. Um, Cindy 
Anthony claims that she was the one who researched chloroform on the computer. Then she also testifies that a stain found in the trunk allegedly caused by Kaylee's decomposing body was there when the family purchased the car eight years earlier. So now we just have the case really, really going into a very bad U-turn. Then we'll go back to that man, Mr. Crunk, who found this bag of bones that belonged to Kaylee. They put him on the stand and that was another disastrous testimony because it almost was like they were making it, Casey's team was making it like the state possibly paid him to go find, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. This man said that, you know, he was just walking and found these bones and the defense team had a field day with it. Well, how did you know where to walk? How did you know this? How did you know that? Why did you contact the police back in the summertime to look this area up? Like, it just was odd. So they were making it seem like, did the Anthony's possibly seek him out to make him you know, come across this dead body. It, it just was a very strange trial with a lot of testimony and the jury got completely lost. And it worked because on July 3rd, both sides present, presented their closing arguments. The state pretty much said that in the beginning of the trial, Kaylee's mom did not want her and wanted to party and was dating a man who did not want kids. And he also took the stand and said that he questioned Casey about where her daughter was and she didn't come up with an answer and it didn't sit well with him. And they're saying that this was the reason that she killed her daughter. Then the state is saying, you know, no, she drowned and everybody that was involved with raising Kaylee had a lot to do with covering it up. And then the jury had the case. And on July 5th, two days later, Casey is found not guilty of murder. After about six weeks of testimony, over 400 pieces of evidence that was presented in court they took less than 11 hours to reach the verdict of not guilty. And a lot of people were very, very upset with that verdict. They felt like she got away with murder. She was charged with four counts of lying to police. She receives a four year sentence for that, but the prison time is canceled because she was given credit for already spending time in jail and for very good behavior. And on July 17th, she walks out of the county jail. And that is pretty much the last time that anybody really has seen or heard of Casey Anthony. She disappeared into thin air after being vindicated in a court by her peers. So this is what I think happened to Kaylee. And I think a lot of people like me, I don't believe that 
Casey plotted to kill her daughter. I don't think this was a first degree murder trial at all. That's just my opinion. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, ruffle some feathers, but I've talked to a lot of people over the years about this case. And a lot of people think that she, you know, wanted, um, a parent free lifestyle. That's just not the vibe I got from her from listening to jailhouse calls and just listening to people that testified that there was some sort of, you know, cute bond, endearing bond between mom and daughter. And she had her parents that helped her. So if she really wanted to go out and party, her parents were right there. Um, so I didn't buy that this was a pre-planned murder because her actions didn't suggest that this was pre-planned. Her actions suggested that something very bad happened and she really went out of her way to cover this up. And I don't think that her parents had anything to do with it. Although I think the defense did a very good job with making it seem like they did. I believe that Casey left her daughter in the car and it's in Florida and it's very hot. And she either went to go handle some quick errands, went out to party, left her daughter in the car. And I think she came back and her daughter was beyond repair. You hear about this all the time in the summer, parents leaving their kids in locked uh, in, um, cars because they drove to work, forgot they were there or just, you know, whatever. That's what I think happened here. I think she was left in the car. She came back and had no idea what to do. Someone I spoke to recently um, suggested that she chloroformed her to go run errands and she came back not when I say errands, I mean to go out and hang out with friends and just to not have her daughter around her for those hours. She chloroformed her and she came back and she saw that she was, you know, deceased. I mean, it's plausible, but I just wasn't buying the whole chloroform thing. I just personally don't think Casey was that intelligent or is that intelligent to look up chloroform. Then again, I don't know. She very well could have done the searches, but then Cindy, you know, recants her testimony towards the end of the trial and says she's the one that looked up the chloroform. So once again, you have the jury just super confused. But anyway, that's what I think happened. I think she was left in the car and she came and she had no idea what to do. And so she just did what she felt was best and just disappeared, drove around with her daughter in the trunk for days, weeks, because it was long enough for a smell to start to generate. And then I'm pretty sure when she realized that I have to get rid of this body, that's when she decided to dump her. That's my theory. Her grandparents, to me, didn't come off as people that would cover up a drowning. I think that if they found their daughter's child, their granddaughter, in the pool, 
they would have called 911 immediately and done and did everything they could to try to resuscitate, especially by her mom being a registered nurse. I felt really bad for Cindy and George, even though Cindy was odd on the stand and possibly lied. There were some talks of perjury going on, but that nothing ever came of that. I just have to feel for parents in this situation, especially a mom who carries this child for nine plus months. You give birth to a beautiful child, you raise them, you teach them, you know, right from wrong. And, you know, they go out, become adults, have their own kids. And then they're, and then her daughter's charged with this very heinous crime. Her 911 call sounded authentic. She sounded like a panicked grandmom in disbelief and shock. She was angry, scared, nervous, afraid. She just wanted to know where her granddaughter was. And the defense really used her own 911 call against her. You know, I never thought that the call sounded fake. Some people believed it sounded fake. I just did not. And her parents were two reasonably intelligent people, working class people, you know, had their daughter staying there with with her daughter. And now all of a sudden they wanted us to believe that the two of them covered up an accident. You know, when your child drowns in in, in a situation like Jose Baez and his team were trying to portray was an accident. So she wouldn't have been looking at, you know, a life sentence as opposed to the one that she was looking at from first degree murder. It just never fit first degree murder for me. I know people are, you know, get strange when I say that, but I personally don't think this was a premeditated act. I think this was an act of sheer negligence and she should have received significant jail time for this because at the end of the day, you have a little girl who's completely dependent upon you. She was only two and you're her eyes, ears, nose, everything at those very critical ages. We're not talking about a 15-year-old here that accidentally, you know, went into a lake and got swept in a current. You're talking about a toddler who they're claiming is, you know, snuck out of the house and drowned. Okay. It happens. It's a it's a it's an, a very unfortunate event. Um, but it just didn't seem plausible here. So, but the jury bought the defense's theory and that's why she walked and Kaylee never received her justice. She never did. No one was really held accountable for her murder. You know, Casey has disappeared into thin air. She's sort of living in a prison because she knows that most people view her as a murderer. There's a lot of people who feel like she should have been sentenced to life in prison. I think she should be sitting in jail. She should have received a very heavy sentence because her actions after that just were not 
I don't know. It just, she, Kaylee just did not receive justice and she never will because Casey will never be charged with this again because of that double jeopardy clause. So (sighs) that was a lot. It was a very long trial, very draining, emotional for a lot of people involved. Listening to the jury speak after they just were confused. They were getting lots of comments. I too raised an eyebrow like, hmm. But then when I rewatched the trial a couple of years later, like I could see why they bought the theory and there was so much confusion from start to finish with that trial. So like I always do, I'll ask you guys and you can give me feedback. Do you think Casey Anthony is a toxic mom? Send me your emails. I read them and I respond. The toxic mom podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Toxic mom podcast. We'll chat soon. Bye.